With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. That's right, the old Alpha Towery. I'm hot, baby. We are rolling. Okay. All right. Michael. Hi. I have another little goodie for you today. Oh, my gosh. You always do such a good job with this, Lily. Thank you. It is my pleasure. So do you want to tell everyone what, what I have gotten you today? <laughs> so will you tell them what I did? So in my hand is a nice, cold, sugar-free Red Bull. This is actually my preferred Red Bull. There we go. So it, maybe so Alpha maybe Tauri, Tauri would be my team. I your, don't know. Or your preferred Red Bull adjacent team. So yeah, we'll find that's out. True. That's okay, true. Okay, I'm going to crank this You're going to crank it open? Yeah, let's see here. Oh. It sounds sugar-free. Sounds sugar-free. I would have been able to tell that was sugar-free. So today, as we established with Alpine, mm-hmm. we are we are comfortably in the midfield right. at this point. Right. We're in the middle of our season. We're in the middle of the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that does not mean, though, that these teams are boring mm-hmm. or that they've got nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So today's team, middle of the pack, yep. I would say Alpha Tauri's got real younger sibling who's got everything to prove and nothing to lose energy. Well, are you a tennis fan, Lily? Yes, for the sake of this argument, yes. Is anybody else a tennis fan? Can I call this the Patrick McEnroe of the uh, Formula One? You know, John McEnroe, Grand Slam champion, super loud, boisterous, got all the attention. Meanwhile, Patrick was a pretty solid tennis player as well. I had no idea there was a Patrick Costa adds color. (laughs) Ba-boom. Hit the theme. From iHeartRadio and Sports Illustrated Studios, this is... Choosing Sides. F1. Wow. 
Okay, so so Alpha Tauri, as we previously mentioned in our Red Bull episode, they are the sister team to Red Bull. The mm-hmm. team nowadays is very, very careful to call it a sister team and mm-hmm. no longer a junior team. So they do not want to be seen as right. lesser than, right. at least in terms of public persona. Yeah. But let's let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Back in the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. as we know, uh, billionaires get bored. Yeah. And when they do that, they buy sports teams. So our friend Dietrich Mateschitz, founder of Red Bull, buys an F1 team, names it after Red Bull. And then since he seemed to have nothing else to do... He said to himself, what what could I possibly want within a year of purchasing this team? Another one. Yes. So a year later or within about a year, Dietrich purchases a Formula One team called Minardi. It's both the Minardis that have stalled on the grid. The two cars are being pushed off the grid. So they got about as far as the start finish line. Which, despite being one of the not greatest teams on the grid, had a humongous and very passionate fan base. He renames it Toro Rosso, which is the Italian phrase for Red Bull. Super creative. Very clever. The original idea, though, was that this Toro Rosso team would be like a junior team to Red Bull. So they were thinking, okay, this can be a great training ground for up-and-coming drivers. They can give you know them a little bit of an area to prove themselves. We can also kind of test people against each other. And it's just great to have, you know, four seats on the grid instead of two seats. So currently, with 10 teams on the grid, Red Bull basically controls 20% of the seats. It just feels to me like if you're going to be in Formula One, you got to be trying to win. It's an interesting question with them of, yeah, is there a ceiling to how well AlphaTauri is allowed to do? Exactly. Because what would happen if AlphaTauri consistently had drivers who beat Red Bull drivers? And you can be certain if you're on AlphaTauri, you're like, let's really throw a wrench in this shit and be better than them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Toro Rosso is the name of this team until two years ago or two seasons ago. So it had a lot of really iconic drivers who got their start through Red Bull's junior program and then were funneled into Toro Rosso. Mm -hmm. So even just speaking to some of them who are on the current grid, we've got Sebastian Vettel. Toro Rosso gets its moment in the sun. Sebastian Vettel is a Grand Prix winner for the first time. He's the youngest ever, and that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in Grand Prix racing. Current world champion Max Verstappen. Please welcome the rookie of the year, the flying Dutchman. Daniel Ricciardo from McLaren. From Perth, Australia, and I'm uh, 22 years old. And then also Carlos Sainz. I think it's my only chance of getting to Formula One this Toro Rosso seat. So the interesting thing is that it doesn't mean that when these drivers were on Toro Rosso that the team necessarily did super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've often been somewhere in the midfield, right? So whether that was a little bit higher, like a sixth versus a seventh or eighth in the championship standings. So why did they switch it to Alpha Tauri? What is Alpha Tauri? Yeah. So two seasons ago, they made a change. They got rid of the Toro Rosso name that had been around for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And the reason is very simple. Uh, Red Bull, fun fact, has a clothing line. Mm. It is called Alpha Tauri. Oh. And they decided to use what's basically free advertising sure. space sure. to rename the team. Kind of like Alpine is a Renault brand. Right. But right. Renault said, let's you have a better use for right. the name of this team. And also it sounds cleaner and fresher. Alpha Tauri also, you know, has a little bit of a, a different flavor than Toro Rosso. I mean, in America, being an alpha is just not as appreciated like it used to be. I'm sure that has nothing to do with their clothing line. I looked at the clothing line. Oh, yes. I have some photos for Please you. Please show me. So uh, what's really funny about Alpha Tauri is they do have professional models that 
model out of the clothes, yeah. but then they'll randomly put in various Red Bull and AlphaTauri drivers and team members okay. to model the clothing. And it's kind of funny to watch these drivers, some of whom couldn't care less about right. Being they probably a have to do model. this. Yeah, exactly. It's like contractually yeah. obligated. Yeah. So here, so I have I have the current as of 2022 Red Bull drivers, AlphaTauri drivers, and then a special appearance by a certain team principal. <laughs> well, I know who the team principal is, Christian Horner. <laughs> Looking yeah. very. Uh, he looks like he's trying to be. A, he's he's doing a Zoolander face. Very Zoolander. Yeah. yeah. Now the ones that are the models, I'm going to say, are down below. Oh, all of them are drivers. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. So we've got. Um, okay. Sorry. I would. Uh, yeah, tell me who we yeah. got here. So up in the purple, yeah. in the upper left corners, Pierre Gasly, who, who I think works at the most. Like, he's really trying to, to like, yeah. Tyra Banks smize it up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, then below him, you have Max Verstappen. Oh, that's Max Verstappen. Yeah, poor okay. Max, who you know does not want to be there. He looks like he's looking for the exit. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. he's where is the exit out of this shoot right now? Uh, then you have Yuki yeah. Sonoda. Yep. They never quite know what to do with Yuki because yeah. he's 5'2 and really yeah. tiny. Yeah. For a while, they kept dressing him in beige, yeah. like fully beige outfits, which doesn't look good on pretty much anyone to begin with. What is his nationality? He is Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. It does seem like they don't know what to do with him. Yes. And then his haircut is kind of flat. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. I don't mind the clothes, you know, clean. I think the Straight problem lines. is they're so expensive. Like yeah. these are it's Uniqlo but like three hundred dollars yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. And and like and what's what, fashion anyways? What's what's a three hundred dollar shirt, a fifty dollar shirt? I don't know. I think it's just also like I don't know anyone who necessarily would be like, ah, I need new clothing and I have seven hundred dollars to spend. Let me go to the Red Bull fashion right. collection. Right. <laughs> It's similar to how Ferrari has yes. an atrociously ugly fashion yes. collection. Again, yes. this is my opinion. <laughs> no, but it's okay. All right, guys, I just wanted to remind you quickly that this is an F1 podcast. Whatever. Yeah. Suck my balls, mate. <laughs> this is slowly turning into pardon the interruption. Yeah. So, so yeah. So basically, they in the early 2020s switch over to Alpha Tauri, and with this, yeah, they really start to hammer home this whole idea of this is a sister team. Mm -hmm. It's a separate entity. It's factories in Italy. Right. So yeah. So anyway, back to a little bit of their history. So when they were still Toro Rosso, yeah, they were up until probably 2019. There were a bunch of different like reliability issues at times. Mm. They had some really rough years where you had drivers, you know, having to retire the car in two thirds of races in some cases. Wow. Yeah, due to issues with with the car and not with necessarily the driver all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, then it wasn't until 2019, they actually start to move up the ranks a little bit. They ended up finishing P6 that year. They then had another P6 finish last season in 2021. And now generally, especially because there are some teams that have, have really had some, some bad times, they've kind of moved into being a comfortable midfield team nowadays, or at least that's kind of what they're thought of. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think Alpha Tauri has tried to beef up, especially since their rebrand, and how they're trying to both distinguish themselves from Red Bull while still not pretending that they don't have a connection to Red Bull. They actually have a really, really fun digital presence. Okay. They use the drivers really effectively. For example, on top of the fact that they obviously use them in their marketing campaigns, Pierre and Yuki, the two drivers, do wear AlphaTauri clothes to the track. They also make them do a lot of like video challenges with the Red Bull drivers. Five o'clock, we're going to meet here in the morning. <laughs> so, no, that's a joke, right? Of course not. Uh, and then they also make them do challenges. Like they had them do a chopstick challenge, I think with like coffee beans or something. I saw that. I saw that. What are you doing? Get out of my room now. Okay. Uh, now, close the door. Arigato. Alpha Tori, I think, is trying to mimic the social media 
um, success of McLaren. That was Ashley Kalita, an F1 Twitch streamer. And they do a really good job posting the teammates, uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, Yuki Tsunoda, interacting and such. And they definitely have chemistry and they definitely care about each other and want to succeed in Formula One and do well, both of them. And they definitely cheer each other on. So I think they definitely bring that relatability side. Maybe it's not as strongly pushed on social media like McLaren does with their team, but I really think Pierre Gasly and Yuki are onto something. (laughs) Two, one. No, no, it's two for me. No, 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 no. I won. My initial thought would be that Alpha Tauri is going for a younger market. But Red Bull is already pretty young, and Alpha Tauri clothing is too expensive. So I, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of <laughs> Alpha Tauri this season, things are going not great. Mm. They have had reliability issues with the car, as have a lot of other teams on the grid with the new regulations. Mm-hmm. They currently, as of the summer break, which we're in right now, so there's no races coming up for a few weeks, they are currently in P8. Mm. To, again, contrast that, they were in P6 last year okay. when they finished the championship. So obviously, for a team like AlphaTauri that spent a lot of time bouncing around the midfield, they were hoping to maybe spend this time moving up to best of the rest status, yeah. or at least really get in there. And instead, they unfortunately are almost relegating themselves to rest of the rest right. status, or or worst of the rest. Uh, they're not quite there yet, luckily, but... Yeah. It's not what they want. It's not looking good. It's not the best. Yeah. Yeah. So who's in charge of AlphaTauri? Yeah. So they have this team principal. He's been part of the AlphaTauri Toro Rosso brand for a very long time. It's Franz Tost or Toast, depending on who you ask. Uh, he's He definitely has a bit of a personality, but he's not always the central focus like someone like Christian Horner. Wait, you're telling me his name is French Toast? <laughs> yes. Keep that in, please, Yohai. Okay. Promise me that you'll keep it in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, copy. Sorgai French Toast, uh, <laughs> um, despite the name, does not have yeah as much of a, a presence yeah. to the extent. Uh, but I think it's because Christian Horner, Helmet Marco from Red Bull are such big personalities yeah. that's kind of hard to compete with them. Yeah. And then you have people like Toto Wolf at Mercedes, who's also a presence. Yeah. So for, there's a lot of midfield teams where their actual team principals or, or head honchos are not as, I don't know, they don't have as much of a kind of following just because they're, they're hanging out or yeah. chilling or... Yeah. Or whatever. I will say one of one of the most interesting things about Friends is back in or French, if we want to call him that, right. is back in 2007, uh, there was an American F1 driver at the time with the greatest race car driver name of all time. It was. Hi, guys. I'm Scott Speed. Scott Speed. That's a great name. It sounds fake, right? It's perfect. It's Scott Speed. <laughs> and Scott Speed alleged 15 years ago that Franz had assaulted him over an incident on the track. Oh, wow. Speed claimed in an interview that Tost grabbed him right below the neck on his fireproof shirt and jerked him back and forth, let go, and then pushed him into a wall. Hmm. So, of course, Franz Toast completely denies this whole story. Mm-hmm. And regardless, Scott Speed's not having a great time in their car, mm-hmm. in the Toro car, not driving fast. And so soon after the incident, he is fired for low performance. Yeah. And, of course, his whole spin on this is that, you know, a co- almost conspiratorial idea mm-hmm. that he hates them. It's terrible working mm-hmm. with them. He mm-hmm. never wants to work with Franz Toast again. Right. So was Scott. He left the sport quickly. One could say it was a speedy exit for Ooh, Scott Speed. That was what we needed. <laughs> that was what we needed. But 
I, I will say the overall, I think, good thing about AlphaTauri is, you know, they are a team that's sort of known to help funnel in champions, right? Because yeah. you have a Sebastian Vettel, you have a Max Verstappen, you have these other other guys yeah. going further back who are, are kind of in that similar boat. So I think if you're if you're someone who wants to root for people who could potentially do a lot in the future, mm-hmm. they can be sort of a great a great pick. And also certain people, yeah, like to root for midfield teams and don't want to give yeah all that credit to Me. the guys at the top. Yeah, so and it takes a while to become comfortable racing at this level. I'm sure Red Bull sees Alpha Tauri as a way to give championship drivers who are very young ex- experience. Exactly. And yeah. also a good time to kind of see, okay, can you handle any form of pressure in right. F1 right. without necessarily, right. Right. which unfortunately have Red Bull has done handing over the car too early to someone yeah. unproven yeah. in their, their kind of main stable of drivers. So who are the drivers? We got French Toast as the team principal. Uh, who's driving the cars? We have French Fry, who is the person we have in seat number one. Um, and we have Escargot in the other seat. So, uh, yeah, we're all Perfect. good. Okay. We'll get into the AlphaTauri drivers right after this short break. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back from our break, and we are diving right into the two drivers at AlphaTauri. We have Pierre Gasly, mm-hmm. and then we have Yuki Sonoda, two very different drivers. Mm-hmm. They do get along very well. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Pierre Gasly. As you can probably tell from a name like Pierre, he is French. Yep. Very French. Yep. Uh, so Pierre comes from a family that has been in motorsports in some way or another, not F1 level, but uh, his grandfather competed in karting. His grandmother was actually a karting champion. Grandmother? Grandmother. Fun Sick. fact. Feminism. Love to see it. Yeah. Uh, his father dabbled in a number of different motorsports. So he did like karting, rallying, endurance racing. So he's mm. kind of jumped mm. around. Mm. Pierre's also the youngest. He has, I think, four or five half-siblings who are older than him. So he's kind of the, the youngest of, of the bunch. But basically, he takes up karting, is, is successful, uh, moves on to the junior formulas. He ends up winning. So he's, you know, he's well on his way. He's also competing against drivers like Charles Leclerc, who is from Monaco, but obviously races a lot in France, as well as Esteban Ocon. They grew up 45 minutes from each other growing up. They, they've spent their, their lives competing against each other just because they're literally from the same area of, of France. So Pierre makes his Formula One debut back in 2017 for Toro Rosso, what it was called then, and, and ends up racing full time uh, for the team through 2018. Things are looking good. He's looking promising, you know, getting his his sea legs, so to speak. He had a couple of very impressive qualifyings in his first full season. Right. He had a P4 in there, a P6, a P7. So in some cases, he is out qualifying the machinery that he's been given. Yeah. Pierre Gasly, the young French driver, absolutely unbelievable fourth position. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, granted... He would often lose places in the actual race, you know, because the car just can't keep mm-hmm. that pace over mm-hmm. an extended period of time. But the fact that he, yeah, everyone agreed, he was way over qualifying the car, like right. what it should have been, which right. only speaks to his talent. Yeah. But as we know, 2018 for Red Bull, this cataclysmic thing happens where Daniel Ricciardo surprises them by not re-signing. That's right. And as we know from that episode as well, Daniel Ricciardo leaving creates another sort of domino effect of other things that end up happening, one of which is that Red Bull didn't really have a successor to Daniel Ricciardo at this point, mm-hmm. but had also made it very clear to everyone that Max Verstappen was their guy. Mm-hmm. So it led to this this bizarre void to be filled right. by his right. by his pre- absence. Also, Daniel Ricciardo is a huge personality, as we've discussed. Yep. So yep. Yep. they're kind of trying to figure out what to do. This was, you know, several years ago, Piers in his early 20s. So they end up saying, hey, let's let's call him up, despite the fact that, you know, he'd only competed in his second season of the sport. 
And unfortunately, he ends up crashing and burning spectacularly. You've got to say, only one side of that garage is consistently delivering at the moment. Pierre Gasly qualified six tenths off his teammate. Gasly finished P11. There were a lot of races where Max was lapping him. That's terrible. Uh, he just got absolutely walloped by Max in the standings. Yeah, it was it was bad. He's got to unlock that part of him that we know is is capable of bringing home better results. He ends up uh, only completing 12 races before Red Bull yanks him from the seat and demotes him back down to the then Toro Rosso team. That's humiliating. Yeah, really harsh. And on top of that, a big issue that's come up since then in retrospect is people feel like the car was much more tailored to Max's strengths Mm. than Pierre's. Mm. So if you're Pierre, you're a very talented driver. You just don't drive like Max. So if you're in a car that is not made for you, it is very much made for your, your biggest competitor, you know, your teammate, you're really setting someone up to to fail. Max is, uh, you know, he's a rocket ship and his whatever they call the like all the fire and all the smoke that comes out of the back of the rocket. It's too big. Yeah. Whatever's around is just going to get sucked up into Max, you know. So I wouldn't want to drive under Max. Yeah. So Pierre is in this tough position. Obviously, it's devastating and humiliating to be demoted, not just demoted in general, but halfway through a season. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. And then to make matters worse, he's back at Toro Rosso and his best friend, Antoine Hubert, was a very promising driver in Formula Two. Antoine Hubert dies oh my God. in a race in Belgium. This is during also an F1 race weekend. So Pierre is there at the oh, track. Jesus. It's incredibly sad. This is this is bottom. I mean, there's career bottom and then there's death. That's that's this is this is a new level. Yeah. Entangling yeah. personal and professional yeah. tragedy. Yeah. In the span of a few weeks. We lived in the same flat for five years. We went to the same school. We're in the same classroom. Um, I've just known these guys since so long. We shared so many moments on track and, and off track, especially um, that. Yeah, honestly, I still can't believe it. He actually wrote a really extensive personal essay on the Internet mm. and about the experience. But basically, one of the last conversations he had with Antoine was about his demotion. And Antoine kind of told him, you know, keep going, mm-hmm. You're, you know, prove them wrong, like mm-hmm. you've got this. Mm-hmm. So obviously, he's devastated that his friend has died, but also feels really motivated. Interestingly, we actually talked to another driver for this podcast, Tatiana Calderon. Uh, so she was Antoine's teammate when this accident happened. And she said something very similar to Pierre, because I, I sort of posed the question of, well, did did watching your teammate die make you fear racing more or whatever? Mm-hmm. And her and Pierre are actually very similar in terms of saying... For me, it opened as well my mind. I, I respect what I do much more now. Um, I don't... I'm not afraid of it. I think, you know, that I, I was maybe not enjoying it as much as, much as I should because... Because of the pressure that I was putting myself, that reminded me that what the most important thing is. If unfortunately I end up dying in an accident or whatever, I know that I'm doing what I love most. You you have to be able to, to do what you love most, to be happy, and we'll see how much we we get to stay in this world doing that. That's a beautiful delusional mind that you need to be a world-class driver. driver. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Big time. So anyway, after this happens, he does start to improve at, back at, at then, you know, at, at Toro Rosso Alfa yep. Tauri. Yep. Uh, and eventually, actually, in 2020, it's really exciting. Pierre Gasly is in front for the Alfa Tauri. He ends up winning his first ever Grand Prix. And they are going to win! 
2020 as Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix. Oh my, oh my. Alpha Tauri had a couple of podiums and obviously points to their name, but this was their first win. So this was a very big deal. That's big. On on multiple fronts. And wasn't it extra big because it was in Italy? And it was in their home Grand Prix. So it's just, yeah, it's Great. just one of those feel-good stories. Oh, my God. What did you do? What did you do? He what did we do? do. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was like, great. He's, he's like, you can see him like, yeah. you know, pumping his yeah. fists and he's so yeah. excited. Oh my, God. oh my God, guys, we did it again. Oh my God, yes. That was a beautiful moment. Yeah. And you can- I don't know anything about this sport, but when they when they show you the driver and you get to hear the audio of when they win, it's just, it doesn't matter if you know anything or not. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. For me, the driver that gives me the most excitement is somebody like a Pierre Gasly. You're hearing from Magnus Greaves, co-founder and publisher of Race Weekend. He always has the potential to do better than anybody anticipates that he's going to do, given the car that he's in. And, and he seems to really appreciate a great result. And, and also, you want to see Pierre Gasly get another chance on a big team. If you want to just cheer for somebody who could win, you're limiting yourself to a pool of about four or five of the 20 drivers. You need to understand the story of that person You need to understand where they're coming from and where they're trying to get to because you need to be able to cheer for somebody when they finish fifth and get as much joy as somebody else finishing first. So, Pierre, nice guy. Everyone likes him. That can't be the whole story, Lily. He must must have some controversy. He must have some some dark secrets. (laughs) The biggest problem with Pierre and his career – so – He's reached 26, the age of 26. Mm -hmm. It's basically middle-aged in the sport of F1, (laughs) which is sad to say Mm -hmm. and making me feel very old. Yeah. 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 Uh, And the problem he has is this. So obviously he got promoted to the Red Bull seat. He tanked Mm -hmm. in the Red Bull Mm -hmm. seat. Mm -hmm. Helmut Marko, the very uh, Mm -hmm. brash advisor uh, and, and kind of, you know, person in charge of all the driver development has made it clear that Pierre is most likely never going to get back in that seat. Mm. So if you're Pierre, you're asking Mm. yourself, okay, I'm stuck on this sister team that's kind of the junior team that basically has a ceiling to how well they're going to do. But I've also been a Red Bull driver my entire career. Where can I go from here? So that's, I I think, what he's dealing with right now. And there's been a lot of questions and speculation. Because, yeah, he, he is kind of stuck. If Pierre has self-belief, which I think he does, someone's going to pick him up. Also, fuck that guy who says he's never going to get in a Red Bull seat again. If he keeps winning races at Alpha Tori, maybe he'll say, I don't want your dumb Red Bull seat. I want my Alpha Tori seat. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will say, too, the, the Alpha Tori team loves Pierre. Like, they, they yeah. are, like, one happy family with Pierre. Right. He loves the guys, like, everyone on the team. You know, so it's like, oh, it's going to be painful when he right. has to part with them. Right. But hope. I think the hope by a lot of people is that he ends up somewhere better right. or where there's actually a career trajectory that right. isn't just in a holding pattern. Right. right. You know, perpetually holding pattern. Right. right. You know, perpetually. Yeah. Perpetually yeah. holding pattern. Right. Perpetually. Yohai? Perpetually. So who's the who's this other driver? Other driver. We've got Yuki Sonoda, who in 2022, yeah. sophomore season. This guy is not a tall man. He is barely not a boy, right. and he is not tall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want it to sound like short was a 
derogatory term because it's not, but he isn't tall. Even by F1 standards, he is short. Yes. Uh, so just to recap here, most drivers are between 5'7 to 5'10, usually 5'8, yeah. 5'9 maybe. Uh, in the tallest drivers, are, there's a couple who are 6'1, six foot, six foot but they are very skinny and kind of lanky, mm-hmm. a la Esteban Ocon or uh, George Russell. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I think the next shortest driver is like 5'6", and then you've got Yuki at 5'2". And he's so short to the point where they actually had to like re-engineer the car so that his feet could could actually touch the pedals because the- He's got to sit on a phone book? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear about this guy because we haven't had a lot of non-white mm-hmm. European men who, who drive a race car. Yes. And it's been a little bit since they've had a Japanese driver in yeah. particular. And I will say the, there's a huge Japanese fan base for I F1. I would think. His ascent to Formula One has been very quick, which means he's been pretty good. Ashley Kalita again. So from, I believe, Japanese F4 to Formula One, I think it just took him over three years. And when he arrived in 2019 and started racing around Europe, he had no knowledge of the circuits, which track information is everything. So the fact he's been doing so well and the minimal amount of experience, quote unquote, he has comparatively to the other drivers on the field with him, he has placed very impressively, in my opinion. In addition to being a very talented member of the Red Bull Young Driver program, something else that's helpful is that at this point, we've talked about Honda before and how Honda is mm-hmm. the LOLJK mm-hmm. manufacturer and constructor of Formula One. They're right. in, they're out, right. they're right. they're supplying engines, they're, they're actually in the sport, they're out again. So as of late, they have been supplying engines to, uh, to Red Bull. And so Honda kind of says to Red Bull, Hey, we're besties, right? Mm-hmm. There's a Japanese driver, oh, and we're a Japanese company. And wouldn't it be great if you gave this seat to this nice right. man right. who is from Japan? Uh, and there is, there's always controversy whenever something like that happens, because always other drivers who people wanted to see in F1 who did better than him, who then don't get a seat. And uh, but yeah, so basically, it does help. You know, the stars align, so to speak, that Yuki happens to be coming up through Formula 2 and does well at a time when a company like Honda has a little bit of pull, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's with the program that he's he's in. He's in Red Bull. So, uh, so Yuki, rookie season 2021, uh, it was a little inconsistent. So his first race, his debut race in Formula 1, he gets P9. You did a fantastic race. Fantastic race. We are going to have fun this year. Slow down. So he gets two points. It's very exciting. Everyone's like, oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, However, he just starts having a little bit of trouble. We have uh, our first spinner here, Yuki Tsunoda, never been to this track before. He starts spitting out a lot. He starts crashing quite a bit. And some of this is expected with rookies. You know, it happens. I mean, it's impossible to go rookie season without spinning out a couple times or just getting, getting the feel for the car. You know, Formula One cars aren't even the same as Formula 2, right? Like, there's just such a big learning curve when you make that jump up. So that's expected to a certain extent. But on top of everything else, yet he's kind of rude on the radio to his race engineer during races and cursing a lot and and just being kind of rude. So Yuki is definitely not the main character, which is unfortunate. But (laughs) But he's definitely... I'm trying to think of like relevant side characters that have taken over TV shows. And you're really like, wow, maybe they should be the main character. And I really think that's that's Yuki with the experience he has. And maybe he has had a lack of consistency in 2021. However, he's definitely shown plenty of moments where he can compete with the top dogs. Is he, forgive my ignorance on this, is he speaking English with his 
Yes. With his race team? Okay. Yes. Okay. So they, everyone has to speak English okay. when it comes to oh, race communications. Okay. Yeah, I think to keep everything standardized and, yeah. you know. So, so they can hear what the hell's going on. Exactly. Right. Um, and and on top of that, though, yeah, he's talked about this. He really struggled, especially in the pandemic. You know, J- Japan had a lot of lockdowns mm-hmm. and whatnot. It was very mm-hmm. hard to get back home. He dealt with a lot of homesickness. And right. he's been away for a while from home. And he, at this point, you know, he's 20 years old. So he's been away wow. from home for several years. Um, you know, he he there's also he does speak English, but there is somewhat of a language barrier. Sure. There's also going to be, you know, barriers in terms of customs and how different yep. you know, the West does things versus yep. the East yep. that he has to deal with. On top of all this, he does have some issues with like discipline. Mm. There's actually like a scene in, in Drive to Survive season four when he makes his first appearance on the show. Obviously, it's his first season where basically he's complaining about having to just like run, like do a, a normal training run. And that's kind of just generally with the he's even joked about this, how he's like, oh, I'd rather lie down and like eat a sandwich than go exercise, which, you know, it kind of doesn't doesn't work for certain people. Uh, But I will say on the flip side, Yuki is a very fun and wacky personality. He wears his heart on his sleeve and is brutally honest with the press. Is there more sort of expectation from from Helmut and Diddy? With Helmut, we're going to speak this afternoon <laughs> 8 p.m. and I don't think it's going to be a fun conversation between us. Sometimes the team's like, Yuki, you can't. You can't say that right, out loud. Right, or right, right, right. or even a lot of his dynamic with Pierre. Pierre's almost like an older brother to Yuki and half the time Yuki will say something inappropriate, not problematic, just inappropriate or bizarre. Right. You know, Pierre's like, Yuki, you can't do that. Like, you absolutely need to be quiet. <laughs> They've probably put him through endless media training and he's still going to say what right, he's going to say right, and right, never right. in a, necessarily always a rude way, but just he'll just be really, really upfront with you. They have a good rapport. Yeah, they have a very good rapport. I think it does help that Pierre is so well established on that team mm-hmm. and he is the number one, but in the same sense, Yuki is a rookie, right? Yeah, and he just yeah. came on. So I think that there's not, yeah, this feeling of, of resentment or whatnot from from that dynamic quick break and we'll be back there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel it's worth the trip that's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's that's Alpha Tauri. I would say for Pierre, you know, I think Pierre's kind of getting this this reputation as like the comeback kid, yeah, right? Like yeah. really was down in the dumps, yeah. had a lot of personal and professional yeah. tragedy at the same time and yeah. has not only risen above it, but totally slayed the game in the process. Pierre, I like very, very much. I love anybody who gets pushed aside for some other new young hot shot and he has to kind of get some grit. He has some adversity in his past. True adversity, death. And then and then we've got Yuki. You know, I'm a little bit afraid that Formula One sees Yuki as this odd Asian entity that we don't know what to do with. And even some of the videos, it was kind of like, look at him trying to do the funny thing. Mm-hmm. And some of that might just be because he's so young and they don't know what to do with, you know, mm-hmm. like it almost seems like gimmicky. A little alienating. A little alienating. Sometimes a little racist sometimes at Sometimes you're like, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my hope is that Yuki kind of keeps his head down and doesn't doesn't let that shit bother him mm-hmm. and then just wins on the racetrack. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I, don't, I haven't seen enough to say that about Formula One, but it just feels like maybe they don't really know how to uh, embrace who he is yet. Yeah. It's easy to see the cute face as an American, a Western, we we see Japanese and we kind of like don't really know what it means. And it's like, what is this thing over here? But at the end of the day, it's like if he's a bad motherfucker in the race car, that's awesome. I mean, his like I said, his racing's been a little inconsistent. Some yeah. days he's brilliant. Other days, yeah, yeah, he's crashing into a wall yeah. multiple times yeah. in a weekend. But I think he does bring a very different personality yeah. and kind yeah. of a different a different style about him. Yeah. And he is. Yeah, he's so young. Like he was 20 when he came in. Right. Yeah. He, he can barely legally drink in the U.S. So and when you're a rookie and they say jump, you just have to say how. High. Yeah. You well, can't especially be like, eh, when, your team, gonna, yeah. Yeah. when your teammate is 
Pierre Gasly, yeah. who, who had just come off a win, the right. first win on the right. team's history right. in this like incredibly, you know, epic fashion. Like that's your teammate. You got to kind of roll yeah. with it a little bit yeah. and, and play into the fact that, you know, he, he's the guy. Yeah. How are you feeling about Alpha Tauri? How do you feel? About I like Alpha Tauri yeah. a lot. I like mm-hmm. the colors. I like the the logo. Their car looks fast. You know, my least favorite part of Alpha Tauri is hmm. that they're part of Red Bull. Yeah. If you told me this was a separate team, I'd be like, I think I'm all in on this team. Yeah. It's like, I love my friend Paul. He's funny. He has a good sense of adventure. He always makes me laugh. His wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like Alpha Tower. I just wish it would become its own thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Alpha Tower started winning, 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 Red Bull would like, secretly change up their wrench box so it has the wrong tools or something that's just like that's just how i feel about it i wouldn't put that above christian horner or helmet marco to do themselves i mean if yuki sonoda is making half a million a year and max is making 25 million that means in the organization max is seen as 50 times the worth of yuki that's a huge difference. Yes. If I was Yuki, I would crash my car into Max. He's uh, Yuki has done that with uh, most of the grid, of, but uh, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah not had, a, had a little bit of a rookie season. I, I like Alfatori. I like Alfatori. And and where where do they stack in your overall? Where are they? Kind I of would say at? they're a top three for me. Ooh, Isn't that interesting? On the podium. Yeah, Ferrari's still up there. I like Alpha. Um, well, it's Williams, of course, who we haven't even talked yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> might be. Well, I was going to say, have we talked about Williams yet? No, 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 we haven't. But, um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, they're connecting with me. Yeah. Watch the rubbing of the pants. Sorry. <laughs> Who's this other person's voice that I only occasionally hear, not as often as Yohai, but... Yeah, so uh, that's our sound engineer, Rob, who uh, I know you were supposed to be the only non-F1 person right. coming into the sport. Right. Uh, hilariously, Rob was just, you know, assigned to deal with us in the studio. <laughs> from, a, from a technical standpoint. Yeah, but he has become a massive F1 fan over the course of yeah. this recording. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Rob, you've had you've had some disagreements with some of Michael's opinions some on the sport. Some of his driver opinions. Oh, God. What, am, what, am, is, what is this, my Twitter page all of a sudden? I like... Esteban Ocon. Oh, why? Why do you like Esteban? I think he hasn't had his time yet. And I think there's an opportunity for him to have his time. And I think it'd be cool to to see. I strongly disagree with Rob. And I think there's a reason that he works in the audio booth and not sitting where I'm sitting. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so who do you not like, Rob? Checo. Really? (laughs) How can you get... I've said this before, but... We connect with people for certain reasons. And the thing that I love about Checo is he's he's a father of three now. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more selfless and humiliating than being a parent. You know, like you're just constantly faced with your mortality and how unimportant your personal life is. All of that is the opposite of what it takes to be a Formula One driver. So I just find that dichotomy so fascinating that he probably goes home and is the fifth most important person in his house. And then he goes to the racetrack and, well, even though he's behind Max, he has to act and behave and have the ego of I am the best driver on this course. I find that fascinating. I have no idea who this guy is in real life. He could be a total prick. I don't know. <laughs> and there, there's more dads on the in the racetrack, right? Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about a very exciting one next episode. Great. Yeah. Anyways, Rob, turn your microphone off from now on, okay? <laughs> Loud and clear. Uh, so next time, we're going on mm-hmm. to the third team in the midfield with an A name. 
Aston Martin. Yeah. Which I'm sure you will have thoughts and opinions just by you know the association with the name Aston Martin. Aston Martin is one of my favorite teams to talk about in the sense that at the beginning of the season we talked about how F1 is a billionaire's playground. I would specify that that playground is mostly Aston Martin drama. Right. We're going to get into a lot of Can't wait. Yeah, a lot of billionaires who've done a lot of not great things. We've got a terrifying looking owner of the team. Mm. We're going to really dive into this term of pay driver that we've kind of thrown around. So Yeah, I mean, everything that I've heard about Aston Martin on the surface is ripe for some strong opinions. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to eat the rich, you want to eat <laughs> Aston Martin. <laughs> so great. So it's going to be a, a great, fun, very rich time to be had great all right anything else yohai before we i think we can wrap all right thank you you too all right i'm jumping in a lot (laughs) it's been a week okay this has been choosing sides f1 a production from sports illustrated studios and iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Michael Costa and Lily Herman. This episode was produced by Lily Herman and our senior producer, Yohai Mattel, who is also the sound designer. At the Cutting Room Studios, we recorded with engineer Robert O'Leary. Mastering by Sella Weisblum. Max Miller is the executive producer and Brandon Getchis is head of audio at SI Studios. At iHeartRadio, Sean Tytone is our executive producer. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and tell your friends to choose a side. That was kind of crazy. I like got in. I got in the flow. (laughs) I might start a podcast tomorrow. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.